0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Well, hello, Clovey. It's great to be with you today. What a privilege and a pleasure. And I also just want to add my thanks for your partnership with Baptist World Aid as we work together with UMN in Kapilvastu. Uh, You know that giving at the level that this community gives, both in terms of that gift for an educator, but also your sponsorship of children there, actually makes a difference. We sometimes think, oh, you know, what I don't have very much. It's a drop in the bucket. It doesn't make a difference. It actually does. It actually doesn't cost very much to make a difference. And I know that because I've seen it just in these last few weeks. I can't wait to share some of those stories with you. But thank you. We deeply appreciate you. And do, um, as you stay generous, do also um, continue to pray because that's equally important. Important to us in this partnership that we have together. Cabal was actually the very first time I was able to visit Baptist World Aid Projects. I came into this role 18 months ago in the middle of um, COVID travel restrictions. Uh, and so it was just uh, an incredible privilege to be able to visit there on your behalf. Uh, and uh, and, and such, um, so exciting for me to actually get out into the field, because these last years have been very strange, haven't they? Um, None of us saw a pandemic coming, I don't think. The notion seemed implausible a few years ago. And a lot's changed since then and we know so much more. But the questions still remain, don't they? And why did it happen? Will it happen again? And then alongside COVID, we know that our world is experiencing real difficulty at the moment, conflict, environmental, natural disasters. Um, And, you know, it's natural to ask questions in the face of tragic circumstance and disaster. This isn't new; We've always asked those sorts of questions without satisfactory answers usually being found. But the theologian Tom Wright challenges us that the best question is not actually why, it's what. What can we do? And he reminds us that Christians have always asked this better question in response to crisis. It was a response that was modelled to us from the very earliest days of the church and has continued through the very worst of times. In Paul's very first letter to the Galatians, he told them to do good to all people, not just amongst themselves, do good to all people. And the outside world couldn't believe it. Um, In his book, The Rise of Christianity, Rodney Stark makes a compelling case that the way Christians behaved in the early plagues of the first centuries was a significant factor in contributing to the spread of the faith. And ever since, Christians have visited the prisoners, we've cared for the wounded, welcomed the stranger and fed the hungry. Now, there are significant crises, crises confronting our world. We have hunger, food insecurity, and even famine across Africa, conflict in Myanmar, war in Ukraine, economic crisis in Sri Lanka. And, of course, even before these crises, we know that there's very real inequality and injustice, poverty in our world. There always has been. But does it follow that there always will be? Well, I don't believe that needs to be the case. I truly believe that there is another way. So the questions that I have for us today and for every person who calls themselves a follower of Jesus are these. What is our role? What does God expect of us? And what are we doing to be at work with God today? Now, we know that one of the marks of the Christian life is serving. And Jesus modelled a life of service to us, culminating in that ultimate act of service when he gave up his life on the cross. But you remember that the day before that, he gathered with his disciples for the Passover meal. And during the meal, he got up, he took off his outer clothing, he wrapped a towel around his waist, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash and dry. By the disciples' feet. Now picture Jesus kneeling at the foot of the men. These were dirty, dusty, smelly feet. And at first the men protested, but Jesus insisted. He wanted to leave them not just a very clear picture of who he was, but who he wanted them to be as they were as they continued to follow him. As Jesus served us. So we are called to serve others. And we know that one of the most important things that we can do as people of faith is to live a life that serves others. Here's what Jesus had to say. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, when I was 21, I went forward in a tiny little chapel and I gave my life to Jesus. I knew that if I accepted him, that Jesus would forgive my sins. He would take away my guilt and my shame and would be my friend right through life. And yes, eventually, he would take me to be with him. In those moments, it was all about Jesus and me. And it felt, it was glorious. And I imagine that many of you can identify with my experience. So for me, the gospel was and is very, very personal. But if that's where it stops, it's not the whole gospel. In fact, in the words of Richard Stearns, a past president of World Vision International, that version of the gospel, the one where it's just about Jesus and me, is a gospel with a hole in it. He said being a Christian requires much more than just having a personal and transforming relationship with God. It also entails a public and transforming relationship with the world. If your personal faith in Christ has no outward expression, then your faith has a hole in it, an awfully big hole. So let me remind you about the very start of Jesus' ministry. When he identified and called his disciples, he didn't say to them, follow me and I'll take you to heaven. It's not what he said. He said, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus wasn't just calling the disciples into a holy huddle. He was sending them. He wasn't just inviting them to follow him. He was asking them to join his work in the world, to go out and to serve people just as he did. So the gospel isn't just about Jesus and me. It's about Jesus and his mission. It's about Jesus and others. And it's about following Jesus for the sake of others. Now, it's very clear that the first intercession, which is essentially just a big churchy word for acting for others, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, which says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is highly significant. The theologian Jorgen Maltman said, It enlists disciples in God's service and is as much a statement of call as it is of invocation. So as we orientate ourselves around this vision for God's kingdom come, it follows that we will actively seek his creative will and rule within our communities and within our world. And aid and development are are a critically important way to give expression to this Christian hope of a renewed world. Now, a young woman called Suni, who I had the incredible pleasure to meet just a few weeks ago in Kapilvastu, understands that a renewed world starts with every single one of us. Suni had been participating in a youth community development project there. She has an Australian sponsor, just like you or me, And that project has taught her powerful truths about human rights and equality. You might notice the words on the poster, the hand-drawn poster uh, behind Suni. Suni now knows that she is equal to the boys and young men in her community, even though she and the other girls have experienced marginalisation and discrimination. And she's developed her confidence to the extent that she, along with the other group members, are speaking out and they're working for positive change together. Suni has recognised that she is strong, that she's capable, that she's intelligent and that she can make important choices for herself and that together with her friends, they can make a real difference. And advocating against child marriage has become a real passion for Suni and recently, she and her group of friends were able to intervene when Suni's own older sister was being forced into a marriage that she didn't want. Now, child partnership, perhaps even from within this community, has empowered Suni and she's taken what she's been given and she uses it for the good and well-being of others. She's feisty. I think you can see that from the photo you saw, but in a really great way. And she's powerfully advocating for others. She really is transforming her community. And I love seeing that Sunni and her friends have picked up the mantle of responsibility that comes with opportunity, even just the very small amount of opportunity that together we've been able to afford Sunni and her friends. And that reminds me that God has delegated to human beings both the power and the privilege to run and indeed transform many aspects of this world. And for those of us who follow Jesus, we know that God always calls us to love, to act and to serve. There is no plan B. And you know, the world we're called to is broken. You don't need me to tell you that. Current predictions are that the economic progress that was made in developing countries in recent decades has been pushed so far back by COVID that it will take 30 years to catch up. Hundreds of millions of people in the poorest countries have lost their jobs and those jobs may never come back. And we know that over 130 million girls in Asia and Africa alone who were in school previously left school during COVID never to return. Now this is the world that we're a part of up to a billion people are currently facing food insecurity. And increasingly, this is in countries who never would have contemplated this as a possibility in the past. Now, we've had a tiny glimpse of food um, insecurity here in Australia, who knew that toilet paper would become such a valuable commodity. And funnily enough, um, in my local supermarket during the lettuce crisis, did you have a lettuce crisis here in Adelaide? For some reason, we couldn't get lettuce. I couldn't get it in it, in um, our local supermarket, but but they uh, kale remained on the shelves. Which um, my husband says that kale is absolutely inedible, which just proves his point that it was still on the supermarket shelves. Um, but um, there you go. Um, we've had this glimpse of the cost of living in Australia making food insecurity a reality Um, and it is for people on the margins here and so I'm so, uh, it's so encouraging to hear how you're reaching out into your local community to those who are in real need through Pathways, go well with that. Um, But across places like the Horn of Africa, the situation really is dire. The rains haven't come for over four years and the current drought is the worst on record. A combination of drought and conflict since Kabul fell has seen an increasing exodus of people out of Afghanistan and they now number in their millions. Even closer to home, a million, over a million, Rohingya, Karen, Chen and Kachin have fled Myanmar among the current conflict and persecution there. They're now stateless. A million of those... Uh, live in Bangladesh in one of the largest refugee camps in the world, uh, Cox's Bazaar. And of course, with refugees, we know that somewhere between 35% and 50% of refugees and those who are displaced are actually children, the most vulnerable of all. You know that um, millions of people have had to flee their homes in Ukraine in recent months. Um, And I'm really proud that the Baptist family in Australia has been able to support Support our global Baptist family in countries like Ukraine and Hungary as they, as they responded um, to the crisis and recently I met with the leaders of both um, the Baptist movement of both Hungary and Ukraine and they asked that we continue to be generous and that we continue to pray the war goes on and then of course we pray for that to end um, but then also the rebuilding will have to commence so right at this moment some 95 million people across our world are refugees or displaced by conflict. That means that as we meet together, one in every 95 people on the planet is a refugee or displaced. One in every 95. It's the worst number our world has ever seen. But alongside that, we know that ours is the wealthiest generation ever. Most of us here live very, uh, fairly comfortably and compared to the majority world, we live very well. We're rich by the world's standards. We're bright, We're educated and we're experienced. We can fly around the world in under 24 hours. We can send a message in a millisecond. We do have sophisticated research and medicines at our fingertips. We have ample resources to feed the hungry, to house the refugee, and the capacity to reach every person on the planet with the gospel. God has given us everything we need to end physical and spiritual poverty. So why don't we? And whose responsibility is it anyway? Let me personalise that for us and put out a challenge. If we're following Jesus just for our own sake, we're not really following him the way that he wants us to, And if we haven't joined him in his work in the world, our lives are too small and we've settled for making a living when we could be making a difference. The author, Davy Garland, says this, The call and response of the fishermen should shatter our comfortable world of middle-class discipleship. Disciples are not simply those who fill pews at worship attend an occasional Bible study and offer to help out in the work of the church now and then. When one is hooked by Jesus, one's whole life and purpose are transformed. And like it or not, God has delegated the running of this world to human beings. This is our privilege and our responsibility as his image bearers. But I wonder if many of us think that we don't have enough to offer. Now in the words of one of my heroines, Baroness Carolyn Cox, you can look her up on Google later, she spent a lifetime working to change the world. She says, nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Now we know Ephesians 2 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let's be clear. We aren't saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And our God is a sending God. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus didn't just announce that the kingdom had come. He demonstrated it. He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He ministered to the lonely. He he included the marginalized, blessed the children, and called people back to the Father. And he asks us to do the same. Uh, Now I met Kumari um, in Kapel Vistu also. Um, I love this picture. She's the most beautiful woman. I took this just on my iPhone. She just looked at me with those piercing blue eyes and she told me about the change in her community. Previously, she and her family, along with the rest of the community, of course, struggled with issues, very basic issues, no clean source of drinking water, no toilet or any other hygiene or sanitary facilities in their house, No, not a single tap in their homes uh, or in the village. Girls being discriminated against, the girls not being in school and experiencing child marriage, both due to custom but also extreme poverty and very high rates of domestic and family violence. And Kumari told me that she didn't previously leave her home, she didn't have the confidence for that, for other than domestic duties, and that she had a very low level of literacy. She had little confidence in who she was or what she could contribute. But now, uh, having been a part of a women's self-help group for around about three years, she and the other women in the group can all sign their own names and they have a vastly improved level of functional literacy and numeracy. They've learnt about their own rights alongside that of their daughters and they've worked together to clean up their village. As we drove into their village, it was very obvious that it was a much, much cleaner village than others that we've driven through and they're working now to implement environmentally friendly practices both in in their homes but also in their agricultural practices. Um, The women are actively promoting social harmony between the two dominant faith groups there and they're campaigning for and even providing incentives for increased school attendance. And importantly, they're advocating against domestic violence and child marriage. Now the village even now has a shared toilet facility and I have to tell you I was very grateful for that when I visited and they report that poor social behaviour such as excessive, excessive alcohol consumption and domestic violence are now very rare. Importantly, Every girl in Kumari's community is now in school and the whole community was able to tell us about the importance of education for every child. Now, Kumari dreams of a day when there will be no more child marriage, But she and the women um, in the village now understand that when they work together and support each other, that they have considerable power and capacity. Together they're changing not just their own lives, but that of their families and of the whole community. As they've changed the lives for women and girls in their community, don't think that this is a win for women and a loss for men, it's not. Everybody is flourishing together. Kumari and her friends are achieving quite incredible goals within the community. And it was was exciting to hear their plans for new goals. You know, they're really the perfect example of what can happen when you believe in who you are and and what what you're doing and then you just get on and do it. And their courage and their unending hope was quite inspiring and convicted me. You see, you and I were made to make a difference too. Our lives were meant to count and the world should be a better place because of us. And each of us has a sphere of influence and each of us has been called to follow Jesus and to change the world in that sphere of influence in his name. Now, we may not believe in our own ability to make a difference, but clearly God does. Otherwise, he would have had a different plan to change the world. But we're it. And God's challenge to us as ordinary, sinful, but forgiven women and men is to join him in his mission in and to the world. Now again and again, the scriptures convey the prophetic vision for equality, justice, for freedom and peace. And although we get um, a very clear picture of God's purposes, we quickly understand the way that humans deal with each other too. There's God's consistent and special concern for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the marginalised, the powerless. But there's also the recognition of those structures and powers that exist in society, but also within human relationships that seek to deny human potential and the possibility of life in all its fullness. You know, without equality, justice, freedom and peace, human relationships, rather than being agents of fullness, will they rob and steal? What does the Lord require of us? personally and corporately, you know the answer to this. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with him. Now at Baptist World Aid, we see a world where poverty has ended and where all people enjoy the fullness of of life God intends. We see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, and we're blown away that he invites us and calls us to partner with him to usher in a glimpse of his kingdom right here and right now in every corner of the earth. But the reality is that God has given every one of us who calls ourselves a follower of Jesus the responsibility to bring his decree to fruition. And when Jesus called his disciples to change the world with him, they were simple fishermen. They weren't powerful, influential men. Jesus wanted more for them to run a business or to make a living, he wanted them to make a difference. He wanted to take their ordinary life and turn it into a mission. Anything else was too small a calling and so it is with us. Now it's easy to think that God's call to go to the world is for someone else. It's for missionaries, it's not for me. But do you know that the word missionary is never once used in the Bible? And that's because all of God's people are sent. All of us are commanded to go and be ambassadors for Christ. There's no special class of superhero sent ones. So who are you serving? Who and what are you praying for? How are you stewarding the financial resources that God has given you? Is generosity part and parcel of your life? Is the world a better place because of you. Now I believe we all need to see and touch the hurt in our world regardless that we may be carrying some of our own. In fact, sometimes I think that the most impactful ministry comes out of broken places and broken people, and that's the beauty from ashes that the scriptures speaks about. I'm reminded of Jesus words from Matthew 25, truly I tell you Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And conversely, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Now, there are a multitude of good reasons to extend our hands and our hearts, but as Christians, as Jesus' followers, there is none higher than this that when we serve those in need, we're loving Him. Now that's a message that Jesus made crystal clear. When we truly love others, when we serve in ways beyond ourselves, when we act, when we pray, when we give, we love him. Now there are several billion human reasons to accept God's call and challenge. And Jesus says, follow me and I will send you out. And I pray, that together we will go, not necessarily physically, all of us, but certainly in and through the work that God calls us to together and that we will dream of, that we'll pray for, and that we'll be generous toward a world where poverty has ended and where all people enjoy the fullness of life God intends. In such a world and in only such a world will we all taste the joy of the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, you have given us eyes to see the need, but so often we don't. You've given us hands to serve, but often we feel too busy, too important, or perhaps too insignificant to use them for that purpose. You've given us hearts to love, but we confess we live in a culture consumed by self. You've given us resources to share, but often we grasp them for ourselves and our own comfort. So change us and shape us, we pray. And forgive us for the times that we've participated in society and relationship in ways that fail to acknowledge and honour that all people are made equally in your image and help us to serve you by serving those you called the very least of these. Show us how to make a lasting difference in the lives of those around us, both near and far. We long to be bearers of your justice, freedom and peace. We want to partner with you in bringing fullness of life. Lord, convict us that we each must pray, we each must give and we each must go for your glory and for your kingdom.